You're listening to episode number 32 of the Inspiration Place podcast. And today we're talking all about how to manage the creative brain. So for that, stay tuned. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world inside a podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 32 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, I've invited a creativity coach who specializes in helping artists and entrepreneurs with ADHD. And although we talk a lot about how to focus, this episode is really about managing your mind and more importantly, managing your fears. In this episode, you'll discover why creative people have trouble focusing, tips for how to conquer distractibility to become successful in your creative business, and how morning rituals can set you up for a focused day. As the founder of Creative Calling Coaching, Ratik Orfeen is a professional certified career ADHD and creativity coach who has been helping her clients profit from their passion for over 15 years. Specializing in working with artists and entrepreneurs who struggle with ADHD or chronic physical conditions, she assists her clients in creating unique ways to move their art, businesses, and life forward through emphasis on prioritization, self-structuring, and mindfulness. Please welcome to the Inspiration Plays, Rati Gorfin. Hello, Rati. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to this. Well, the reason I invited you is because my audience is always talking about how they have trouble focusing and, quite honestly, that's something that I'm quite familiar with mm-hmm. and could use a little help. I'm always looking for tips myself. I mean, I have my whole morning routine. Oh, good for you. All around getting me to focus later in the day. But, you know, it's always something we can get better on. Absolutely. Before we get into some specific tips, let's talk about why do creative people have so much trouble focusing? Well, I don't know that it's, well, it's certainly not exclusive to creative people to have trouble focusing. But I think part of it is that like people with ADHD, whether or not they're artists, Creative people need to care about what they're focusing on. They need to be interested in what they're focusing on. And if they're not, unlike people who are a little more cognitive, left brain, who can tough out something a little boring and see it through, a lot of times creative people, they literally can't. (laughs) It's just too boring. Mm. That's one reason. I think we're so prone to distractibility. And the other is we're always pulled in 50 directions. And if you're a creative, chances are survival is on your mind a lot. Mm. That can undermine the creative flow a little if you're preoccupied with that first level of Maslow's hierarchy of need. How did you come to specialize in ADHD coaching? And the other thing you said was also people with uh, chronic physical conditions. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why is that? I found as an artist, I was a theater artist for many years and had a lot of my own obstacles to overcome in order to be professionally creative, including a diagnosis, mental illness diagnosis that I now, you know, I've been in, in treatment for for many years and have stabilized. If I had known the trajectory of my career might have looked quite different. You know, a lot of artists struggling with depression, they might have a chronic condition. A lot of the people who come to me, they have immunal disorders. The thing is, if you can't count on your energy day to day, it can be very difficult to build a career. Mm. Not impossible, but you have to learn to work with yourself and customize the way you manage your time in a way that other people don't have to be so careful about necessarily. I was going to make an assumption, but then I figure I should ask you, is the way you work with somebody who has ADHD different than somebody who has chronic pain or do you give them the same exact tools? That's highly individualized. Fortunately, the training I I had really addressed the fact that ADHD shows up differently for everybody. Chronic problems, whether it's a life situation, a physical situation, a mental situation, that's going to show up differently. Mm. And so over the course of the many years I've been doing this, I've developed a lot of tricks and tools and things, but I can't say that I have a set routine that I go through with everybody. Well, I don't mean that it's a routine, but for example, I live and die by my morning routine. I know that if something is missing, if I don't exercise, yeah. if I don't meditate, mm-hmm. breakfast is non-negotiable. I've Get never you, missed yeah. a meal. But if I don't exercise or meditate, I feel it later in the day. You're talking about your fundamentals, and you're right. When it comes to working with people, those have to be put in order ongoingly and that's pretty much the first thing I address with people because if your fundamentals, your, your sleep, your eating, your centering rituals aren't in place to hold you, if you don't have a structure that holds you, then you really are at the mercy of the winds, so to speak. So definitely, that's key. Okay. So besides those things that I do, what other morning routines do you recommend your clients or actually let's not call it morning routine you said fundamentals what do you consider are the fundamentals for centering well if you're talking about fundamentals in terms of the day I always say that you need enough time in the morning to stare at the wall you know if you fly (laughs) really spacing out time spacing out time so important yeah right right we don't get to do it anymore because the minute We're so scared of being bored. Mm, Yeah. You can't even wait in line your turn at the grocery store. It used to be you go to the grocery store and you're so busy checking out what the person in front of you was buying and judging them on their eating habits, right? Now we don't even do that. Now we're whipping out our phone. We don't know what the person in front of us is buying anymore. We're like checking Instagram or whatever. And that's a shame. I know. I, I, <laughs> I miss judging people. Damn I'm just, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Damn right. But you know, it's what you, you make a good point. We are at risk of not having our own thoughts. Yes. And if you're going to live a creative life, you better be an iconoclast in that sense and start having your own and having your own thoughts. And I think part of that is staying away from any kind of digital media for the first couple hours of your day. And, you know, it's not just the obvious ones that I think people talk about, like getting sucked into social media, but 
I like to take baths to bathe. And I was using that time with my headphones, listening to audiobooks or yeah. podcasts. Yeah. And then I stopped doing that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting all these ideas in the bathtub. Isn't that amazing? And I was like, whoa. And now I've made it like a rule that's forbidden to have that external distraction. I need to listen to my own thoughts. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why for a lot of people, I think Julia Cameron's work, you know, especially the morning pages is so good. Yes. Because if the first thing you do is hit the page with a pen and start just free associating, you're into your own thoughts right away. Mm. You get to discover what it is you are thinking by doing that, yes. fresh out of that sleep state. Yes. So I'm not so prescriptive that I say everybody's got to do that, but I find it's really powerful and helps a lot of the people I work with. When I teach art classes in person, I did this recently at a workshop where one of the first things I had them do was they were each given a sketchbook that I had them turn the page and I want you just to free form write, just like right. the Julia Cameron artist way. But the whole point was to get, which I think she calls it, like get that the dust hmm. off your head. Cobwebs. Get that stuff off. When you put something on paper, there's a lot of power in it that it kind of tells your mind, oh, I don't have to worry about this anymore because it's written down. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. They don't call it a mind dump for nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've heard it's called a thought download. Yeah. Yeah. Or a brain dump. Very much like how I feel after I meditate. Mm. There is a clearing that happens, I think, when you do that. Yeah. I really credit that with having become a, a writer, someone who actually wrote and finished things. That process, even though the morning pages were not related to what I eventually would write, somehow it allowed me to access ideas for things that were actually finished creative works that if I hadn't done that free associative thing in the morning, I don't know that I would have found my way to. Now, one problem I always had with, that's just specifically Julia Cameron's prescription. She was like, three pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I would just buy the smallest notebook I could find so <laughs> I can get those pages done. And then I was like, it doesn't have to be three pages because... No, no. That kind of OCD thinking is, I think, a problem actually for a lot of people. And okay, I've got to do it like this or not at all. If you can get up and write one page, you've won. Mm. I think that's true with anything, especially if you're just starting to establish a morning routine. If you manage to get up and stretch for a minute, you've won. If you meditate for one minute, you've won. Mm -hmm. When you do something in a really easy way, over time that aggregates and you get better and better at it. Whereas if you go, oh shit, I'm never going to be able to meditate for 20 minutes a day and then, Oh, I don't do that. I have an app that's 10 minutes and checked off my list, right? That's great. What app is it? Calm. Calm. Okay. Because I love to collect resources. Thank you. Now we're plugging Calm. It's a pretty, <laughs> yeah. I'm not an affiliate. <laughs> oh, darn. I know. Too bad, right? <laughs> I tried Headspace. Mm -hmm. Not an affiliate for them either. I, tr I tried Headspace and I just didn't connect with it. Calm. I liked the woman's voice. She has like a slight Canadian accent. You know, she has her little speech and then, then there's the guided breathing and you could choose your background music and awesome. I like the way it keeps track of my streaks. 
Yeah, streaks are good. That's one of the things I use a lot in coaching because especially with focus issues and particularly ADHD, you can set up a wonderful system and chances are it will fall apart. Mm. But a way to establish a system that becomes a habit is to do it in streaks. Mm. Like you say, all right, I am going to do this for one week. And every day you do it, you get a gold star, you win. And if you miss a day, okay, the streak starts over. I like to make things into gains. Yes. There is a story I heard recently, comedian approached Jerry Seinfeld in a club and wanted to know, and this is not, I don't think this was recently, it was Jerry Seinfeld was up and coming, but he wasn't quite as famous as he became. But the comedian wanted to know how to become a better comedian. He said, this is what you do. You get a calendar, one of those glossy, hang it on your wall calendar. Yeah. Every day, you're going to write one joke. And every day, you're going to put a red X on the calendar. Huh. What's going to happen is that you're going to have a chain. And what will happen is you're not going to want to break the chain. Yeah, And of baby. course, we can. I've heard the story told by somebody else, but we can all imagine in the Jerry Steinfeld voice, don't break the chain, you know, like, we'll break the chain. <laughs> so that's why there's all these apps like the streak. And I don't know. I don't even know that's those right. apps because I don't, God forbid, I have one more thing on my phone. But yeah, it does help to track things. It does. And to have visible proof of something. That's yes. very powerful. Yes, absolutely. Could you imagine if you did that or if that comedian actually took that advice and a year, a year later, he'd have 300 jokes written? That's right. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I wish I'd run into Jerry Seinfeld when I was doing stand-up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask <laughs> you about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Yeah. That was an interesting time. When were you doing that? I was doing it back when stand-up was like the rock and roll. It was the rock and roll of the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did it for six years, late 80s into early 90s. I actually credit it with my marriage because I met my husband at the improv. He was doing stand-up. He was a, a little further down the road. He'd been doing it for 15 years. And eventually, we would work the road together. We were like the king and queen of Pennsylvania. I would open and he would middle or I'd middle and he'd headline. I didn't know how to separate myself from the work. And especially with stand-up, it is so personal. Mm. You really do feel like you are the product. You are the joke. And that's a problem for a lot of artists, separating from the work. And I also didn't understand that there were certain rites of passage Mm. that you had to go through. There's a comedian, and I wish I remembered her name, who was talking on uh, an interview with Tim Ferriss. And she talked about how it's a rite of passage to get heckled and a challenge to stay on stage, even as people are hating you. Mm. And just keep leaning into that and leaning into that, almost like a gladiator, you know? I think if I was able to have thought of it or hold it that way back when I was doing it, I wouldn't have ended up crumpled up on so many bathroom floors in public places, you know, just (laughs) weeping. (laughs) Yeah. I felt that way during my first webinar. Oh, wow. Really? You know, like... It was like a Facebook Live and 800 people showed up live and then the software crashed. (gasps) The pitchforks came out. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta power through this. So what were their pitchforks? Well, you know, how dare you sell something? You know, that kind of thing. So 
we don't understand how the business works. It's like you mm-hmm. have a bakery and mm-hmm. some things are for sale and you put out a free sample in the hopes that they take the free sample and they sure. want some more. But some people just want to eat the free samples and, and that's fine. So this was a free webinar and they're like, how dare you sell something? No, I'm perfectly fine with people only taking my free samples. You know, I wouldn't have a podcast if I wasn't happy with that. This is all free. That's right. The thing is, when things break down, and you remind me of something that I often work on with clients, and it's actually a a spiritual approach to things. I learned this through my study of Buddhist meditation, actually. When something breaks down, like the tech, when you're doing a podcast, it's not your problem. It's the tech's problem. It's the microphone's problem, whatever. It becomes your problem when you make it your problem. It's all about how you respond to things. It's not a problem. It's how you think about the circumstance. That's right. It's all subject to interpretation, and you can reframe anything. Yes. And a lot of creatives need to learn to reframe things in order to keep going. Do you have a specific example or a story recently with a client where you used reframing with them? Something that comes to mind for me is... I'm too old, I started too late, that kind of nonsense that we hear that, of course, especially I work with actors and that business is hell for women. I mean, it's getting a little better, I think, but that's a big one. I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. And the reframe there, for instance, is I am what's marketable, exactly who I am at the age I am. I'm not trying to be Reese Witherspoon. Mm. If somebody is looking for a quirky baby boomer Jewess with a tattoo on her chest, I got to find them. That's me, yeah, right? And, right? And all my life experience leading up to this moment makes me exactly who I need to be to work, to be an actor, to be in the business. It's radical self-acceptance. I think artists need to learn to practice that. Radical self-acceptance. As soon as you think you should be like somebody else, you're sunk. Yeah. Or that your circumstances should be different. That's such a red herring. How is that going to help you to think that? Mm. Except to stop you. (laughs) Mm. So do you find that these are fears that they have to overcome? Like Their beliefs. Does that stop them from taking the action that they need to take? Yes. Okay. Before I forget, I mean, I think of James Baldwin, and he used to say, you know, I was so lucky to be born black and gay when I was. Can you imagine? Mm. But he recognized that because he was born black and gay at that time in history, and he had so much to say, he was able to become James Baldwin and make the difference he made. So that's a big reframe. He could have been a big victim, and then we wouldn't have even known who he was. Right. He could have been, you know, if, if I wasn't black and gay, then maybe I could get my voice heard. Yeah. It's beliefs. And the thing about beliefs is that they are opinions mistaken for facts. That's right. It's like, it's also, you make it mean something that it doesn't. Exactly. The thing is, nothing means anything. And that, on one hand, you know, existentially, you could say that's very depressing, but and it's a big, you know, there's <laughs> talk about a black void, but actually it, it's a chasm of opportunity. Yeah. You can make any meaning you want. You can wake up every day and decide what meaning you're going to make. Yes. 
And that is the secret sauce, I think, to sustaining a life as an artist is realizing that. Which do you find that your clients fear more? Fear of failure or fear of success? I don't think there's any such thing as fear of success. I think we all want success. No, I disagree with you. I get fear of success. I've, I had it just the other day. I, I'm having a middle-aged moment. I'm going to tell you exactly how this shows up for me. And then I, you'll see how that maybe you have clients who, who have this and you'll yeah, be like, oh yeah, it. that's what you mean. I'm taking out a booth at a trade show for art licensing in May. Interesting. Okay. Blueprints, I'll plug them. Right, go uh, ahead. They're not paying me, <laughs> by the way. I'm paying them quite a lot of money to have this booth. Yeah, sure. And art licensing isn't even something that is a major goal for me. When my friend, it's a big goal for her. And so she's coming in from Portland. And, you know, it's like, to me, it's an adventure. Okay, I'll take out a booth too. I'll show my art as well. Yeah. I am scared. It's I'm not scared that no one's going to want to want to license my art. I'm scared Uh someone's going to want to license my art and I won't know what to price it at. I don't know what to put in the contract. Like I'm afraid of looking stupid. So I'm afraid of, okay, you said there's no problems, but the the problems Uh that would come, the situations that would come if I succeed. I'm still hearing fear of failure, not fear of success. Huh? What I'm hearing is you're afraid that the opportunity will come and you won't be ready for it. You won't have, oh. you know, that's, that's fear of, that's fear of failure. Oh, okay. That's why I don't believe in fear of success. It's all interesting. Over. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you, you win that round, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Let me give you another situation and let's see okay. if, if you'll right. let me see this one. Okay. So I also see this shows up for my students. Mm-hmm. There are, less afraid that they're not going to be good at the art. I think sometimes what holds them back, the people who come to me, they want to learn how to create art there. So it's different when you're mostly coaching people who, who've already declared themselves an artist and want to move forward in that professional life. And I know it's not just fine artists. You also coach other creatives as well. All mediums. Okay. Yeah. Yes. For me, if I'm teaching somebody what the fear of success might take form of is, well, what if they're good at it? So all these years, you know, they've been putting their creativity on the back burner and been telling themselves they're not going to be any good. Well, what mm-hmm. if they are good? Why weren't they doing it all these years? So it's, there was sort of a comfort in being able to say, you see, I told you I wouldn't be good at it. That is so interesting. So again, well, there's reframing needed here. So they're afraid of feeling bad because they're good? Is that what you're saying? Well, let's take your example. The person who doesn't move forward because they say, whatever their fill-in-the-blank excuses, I'm too old, I'm a brunette, I'm Jewish, I'm gay, I don't know, whatever. You know, fill-in-the-blank. If those are keeping them safe, what if they do succeed? They can't say that was the reason anymore. Do you see what I mean? Like, then it's like, well... What were they doing all that time? Why weren't they going out for this? They were looking for the gay black man all this time. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still listening for the fear of success there. In other words, if they succeed, they will have proven what fools they were. Is that they want to fail because it proves that they were right? Oh, I see. They don't want to succeed because that would prove that they were wrong. Hmm. 
That's very interesting. That's a very perceptive thing, I think, because that's a real psychodynamic right there. It's more important to them to be right than to succeed, in other words. Yeah. Wow. Well, if that's kind of like, would you rather be right than happy? Yeah. Well, you know, if you want to be right, that's your definition of success right there, I guess. Mm. So they're successful as long as they're right. Yeah. Maybe they need to look at their definition of success. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that we've blown both of our minds. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. I hope everybody else felt mind blown. Yeah, right. I know it's hard to wrap your mind around something like that, but it's true. Like, I think that whether we're conscious of it or not, mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, well, what if you do succeed? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Like, then how do you feel? Imagine. Yeah, well, the reason I think people aren't successful is they're taking care of themselves in some way. And so, if you think of it that way, then everybody's successful all the time. Well, it's like, (laughs) we're trying to stay same. Yeah. We're trying to stay in inertia. That's really how we're built to survive. We don't really want change. I try to get people to understand that certain ways of operating have outlived their usefulness so that they can begin to take risks. If you come from an abusive home, for instance, staying invisible, not being seen, was a survival mechanism. Usually, if you got seen in a way that displeased the powers that be, you were shamed. I don't think there's any feeling worse than that. Mm. You know, there is this constant pull between the desire to be seen and fear of being shamed. And we'll do anything not to feel shamed. Right. Not to be vulnerable. Yeah. To take a page from Brene Brown. That's right. You have to be vulnerable, not, as she says, not puff up, not shrink, but just right. stand your ground. So that's something I work with a lot. I'm sure because every time you put something out there that is creative, whether it's a painting or a performance, right. you're holding that up for ridicule. And rejection. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of cycles back to what I was talking about with regard to being able to separate who you are from what you do. It also makes me think of this term that's around a lot that I like very much now, anti-fragility. I don't know that. What's that? It's how things evolve, basically. Every time something happens, for instance, you know, the black box of an airplane, when a plane goes down, they find the black box and they figure out what went wrong. And as a result, planes usually don't go down for the same reason twice. They get safer and safer and safer. So anti-fragility works like that. We get our ass kicked. If we can learn from it, then it is a mistake but it's not a mistake. It's a jumping off point, perhaps, or a learning opportunity. So if you're going to cultivate anti-fragility, then you fix what went wrong and you go at it again and you're a little bit stronger. The mistake is when people don't do it again. Exactly. Because they say, you see, I told you I was no good at whatever it is, painting, webinars. You have to learn to love pain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You have to say, bring it on. The other thing I I like to tell my students is we weren't born knowing how to do anything, anything. That's true. Not even walking. But a baby, when he's learning how to walk, he falls down a lot. And he doesn't say after the third time he fell down, 
I'm not going to do that again. Right, that sucked, man. you know, like, see, I told you, mom, I was no good at walking. And by the same token, the mom hopefully isn't saying, what it, you will never walk. You, you right. suck. Oh, right. <laughs> and yet we talk to ourselves. No, though. that self-assault that we do to ourselves. If we heard somebody saying that to somebody else, we would say, oh my God, what a horrible person. Exactly. And yet we go home. And the things we say to ourselves, like I would never say to somebody else, you have a fat ass, you know, but mm. I look in the mirror and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, what am I doing? If someone talked to a friend of mine like that, I'd smack them. Right. And you know, with ADHD, the challenge side of that is rumination, negative rumination, right? Mm. The flip side is the ability to hyper-focus. Yes. People with ADD, if they're creative, that, that is a power, it's a strength. But the rumination, especially if you go into that kind of abnegating cycle, negative self-talk. Yeah, and perseverate over something. Yes, that's something that you have to catch yourself at. And fortunately, the research now shows us that there is neuroplasticity throughout our lives and you can reprogram your thinking. Yes. You have to be tenacious and keep catching it and stopping, pausing. To bring the conversation back to the beginning, that that thought download is really helpful in recognizing those thought patterns that you have. Absolutely. That's where it's all at. I mean, it's 95% mindset, yes. I believe. That's been my life experience. So this was a fantastic conversation. I'm so thrilled that you took the time today. Is there anything else you want to add before we call this podcast complete? Something I like to say, and eventually if I do any merchandising, I'll print it on a mug, I think, is rushing slows you down. Mm, yes. It's ironic, but if you're in a hurry to get recognized, mm. chances are, you will skip over things that you need to do. You'll set yourself up for a situation you're not yet ready to handle and use that as a reason to go off the grid. Yeah. Take your time. I love that. I also would add that even when you get to that whatever level, next level, yeah. is yeah. it's really important to maintain a beginner's mindset. That's right. And be open. Yeah, absolutely. Beginner's mindset, be teachable be willing to learn. And being able to meet a deadline does not require rushing. It requires planning. Yes. Rushing never helps. So that's what I would add. This is terrific. Where can people go to find you if they want to read your blog or work with you? Oh, well, they can go to creativecallingcoaching.com. One word. Beautiful. So I spent a lot of time on your blog. There's a lot of inspiring articles there. Rati is a great writer and there's a couple of nice Facebook live videos. Do you do that regularly on your page? I'm starting to floss up my YouTube channel a little, yes. And I try to do a Facebook live once a week. Good for you. But if I don't, I get back on the horse and do it the next week. Yes, it's a regular thing with me, for sure. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for spending this time with me. We really appreciate it. Oh, that was fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And finally, to wrap this all up, I just wanted to remind people to subscribe to the podcast. If you're not, I want to encourage you to do that right away. Even if you're on my email list, you know I don't email every time a podcast comes out. And I really don't want you to miss episodes like this one. So if you subscribe 
on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, you just hit that purple button. I'm also on all major podcast directories. That way it comes straight to your phone. Okay, guys, thanks so much for being with me here today. I will see you same time, same place next week. Make it a great one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. Hey there, if you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out the Inspired Insiders Club. It's my monthly membership program where you get inspiration from me. Every month, I share with you techniques that I use in my own art for drawing and painting in both watercolor and mixed media. Plus, each month we meet live. We talk about inspiration and ideas for how to make the art in your own style and you can get to ask me questions or even get critiqued on your art. If you're feeling stuck in your art and your goal for 2019 is to unleash greater creativity or to spend more time painting, but you need a little help creating that habit, then the Inspired Insiders Club will help you get there. Come join me over at shulmanart.com. That's shulmanart with a C dot com forward slash join. I'd love to have you join me in the Inspired Insiders Club. See you there.